It's Friday night. What places are you heading to for post-work happy hour? Tell us. This podcast is making a best of the best list and needs recommendation for happy hour menus at restaurants in KC. Text us at 816-601-4777. That's 816-601-4777. Standard texting rates apply. UpToDate wants to know what you're talking about with family and friends. You can text UTD to 816-601-4777 to tell us. Again, 816-601-4777. This is UpToDate on KCUR 89.3. I'm Steve Kraske. The Kansas City region was blanketed with four to six inches of snow before taking a deep dive into dangerous below zero temperatures in recent days. Living unhoused during our current conditions or even through a mild Midwest winter can mean life or death without proper care and shelter. Today we'll hear from two previously homeless individuals about their experiences with street homelessness and shelters during the winter in Kansas City. With me now is Monique Lichman. She's an intern at Relentless Pursuit Outreach and Recovery and was homeless for about four years. Monique, thanks for coming in. So good to have you here. Thank you so much. Thank you. And Jeffrey Duncan is also with us. He's an employee with Restart Incorporated. He experienced homelessness from 2019 to last year. Jeffrey, good to have you too. Good morning. Good morning. Well, Monique, let me start with you. Uh, How did you wind up homeless, can I ask? I was in a domestic violence Mm. situation, yeah. Which is the worst way to become homeless, right? Yes. Yeah. Did you turn straight to the street or did you attempt to go into a homeless shelter or what did you do? I wasn't familiar with the homeless system in Kansas City, Missouri, or generally the area. Um, So I just went straight to the street. What was that like for you when you first ventured out there? Scary. I bet. Incredibly. Scary because why? Of the unknown and not being familiar with where to get meals and blankets, you know, things that I needed to survive. How did you navigate those first few days out there? With prayer. Yeah. Did other homeless folks sort of give you a hand and sort of give you a rundown of how things work? No, I was in active addiction at the time. Mm. So I flocked to those people. Yeah. So it was, I imagine the first few days were pretty rough. They were. They were very rough. Yeah. You told our producer that you walked and prayed. Did you feel like that was your only option? At the time, yes. Yeah. Roughly how long did you spend unhoused and living out there on the street? Around four years. About four years. That's a long time. It is. It became a way of life. It did. Yeah. Yeah. Did it ever get to a point where it sort of worked for you? Yes. Yeah. I'd adapted to it. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that a little bit. Well, I became familiar with the resources, Uplift, Mm -hmm. and um, I'd been to Restart before, uh, hospitals, um, shower houses, you know, things that I could utilize. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little more about spending some winters outside. Can you describe that experience on the street and were you able to gather supplies to keep warm and dry? The first winter was awful, and I was not able to receive any help um, from fellow addicts and from resources. I wasn't, um, my trauma was very extensive. Mm -hmm. So people weren't familiar with that, and they didn't know how to handle it, I think. 
Yeah. But at, at some point, you began to figure things out, and I'm guessing, what, you got a great sleeping bag and maybe got a tent? or I, I, Tell me about a that. A few of them. Yeah, yeah. I learned how to camp. I mm-hmm. think I'm a professional camper now. Really? Um, I learned how – I put up a tent. I learned how to – make coals out of the wood. Um, when they burnt down, we'd put them in Folgers cans or coffee cans, whatever was available that wouldn't melt or burn. Um, and we put them on stones inside of the tent. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. What difference did that make? It, a lot, but yeah. you had to go back in the cold and, you know, keep redoing these things. And it was dangerous to sleep like that because essentially a fire could happen. Mm-hmm. I'd burn down a few tents. Yeah. Can you remember a night that was so cold and bitter and you just wondered if you were ever going to be able to get through it? I did. I was walking in a snowstorm and around uh, the crossroads area and I had no blanket. I don't believe I had a warm coat. Um, I'm not I'm not quite sure what kind of clothing I had on. And I actually ended up finding a blanket in the trees that was like stashed in the trees there. It was a down comforter. And that proved to be a lifesaver. A lifesaver. Like. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Kind of a gift out of nowhere. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know, like, how cold did it get on any given night when you were out? Do you remember like the worst night, the coldest night you ever had to endure? There were several, but one of the worst nights I was standing on the side of Hope City and I didn't have shoes on. And it was uh, April, but it was very cold. And I don't believe I had a jacket. And I didn't know about the services there. I didn't know I could go in and take a shower or eat lunch. Um, I just stood there. I didn't even know how to ask for help. Hmm. How did you figure it out then? Did somebody come out and get you? No, not that time. About a year later, I figured out what their services were. Yeah. So if somebody asked you, you know, what is the key to surviving a winter in Kansas City as a homeless person, what, how would you answer it? The cold weather shelters. Yeah. How did you feel in those places? Again, I was still in my addiction. So, mm-hmm. and, I, and I knew people. I, I, I um, gained some friendships, and, uh, but I felt safe. I did. I did feel safe. We'll be right back. Hollywood writers are obsessed with the concept of an asteroid heading towards Earth and destroying civilization. But is this something we really should be worried about? I'm Kate the Chemist, and on my podcast, Seeking a Scientist, we meet the mastermind behind a real-life mission to divert the path of an asteroid. Subscribe to Seeking a Scientist, made possible by the Starris Institute. Let me bring in Jeffrey Dungan uh, into our conversation, who also was formerly homeless and Can I ask, uh, Jeffrey, how did you find yourself to be unhoused? How how did that happen for you? Uh, About up until 2019, I was living with family in in an apartment. And I had a part-time job, and my mom had Social Security. And uh, it was at the extent where I was helping out with the rent, but she was taking on most of the... I guess you could call it the burden. Mm-hmm. And then due to certain medical issues catching up with her, she needed to go into extended care. Mm. And so that even though uh, she she was on the lease, I was on the lease, and there was other family on the lease, 
but with only two of us paying the rent, but with her in extended care and it was kind of taking that money away from it and the job that I had was not enough to cover the rent and I was the only one physically present right. with income so that we weren't able to keep up with the rent so we had to leave me and my brother and again, my mom, my mom did have a place to stay because she was in care, so she was taken care of. Right. But it was me and my brother that now had to find something else to do. Well, what was it like? You know, the the day you have to go out on the streets and sort of fend for yourself. How how difficult was that for you to navigate? It was kind of scary. Um, I bet it was kind of scary. Yeah. Now, it, as it turns out, I was diagnosed a little bit with some social anxiety. I am autistic, so I'm not good with new situations. And so for me going into what was a really big new situation, Mm -hmm. even though I had my brother with me, we were family, we knew each other, still not knowing what was going to come up next was a Part of what was going through my head was, oh, my God, oh, my God, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? Mm. What do I do? What do I do? Right, right. How did you navigate that? I mean, how? what did you do? Now, we already knew that there was the uh, locations like the City Union Mission. I was going to ask you, that's where you turned for help, right? Yes. And so already knew that that, play, that, that location was available, so... The day that we ended up leaving, um, ended up taking a bus because I didn't have a car. I did have a driver's license, but I didn't have a car. So we took a bus down to the City Union Mission, checked in, and started to see maybe how could they help us out. Mm-hmm. And So unlike Monique, you reached out for help right away. Yeah. You, you knew a place to go to get that help. But that was more because I had been told about it before due to, uh, you know, in the nature of things, you have conversations with people, things come up, information comes up, and it sticks. If it sticks, you can, if something happens, you can think, oh, maybe I could go to here. Mm -hmm. Now, I did not know about Hope Faith. I learned about that later, but Mm -hmm. I did know about the mission. How helpful was the mission for you at that point? As a place to stay overnight it was great to have. Um, and, you know, they did they did provide bedding, food, you know, a place to take a shower. And um, I did meet friends there, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But at some point, if I understand correctly, there came a time when you no longer could stay at the mission. Why, why was that? Now, part of it is they have case managers there that you're expected to meet with every so often to see how you're, to check on your progress on seeing how well you're doing on trying to get your own place, get a job in case you don't already have one. Mm-hmm. And it was approaching a year that I had been there. I started there in late 2019. This was approaching November of 2020. Right. And they were feeling that I was not making enough progress in trying to find a place of my own. Mm-hmm. 
And, and that's when you found yourself outside in the elements. Yes. So you went into the winter of 2020, November, you said, that year you had to start fending for yourself. Yes. Tell me about that. How, how difficult was that? Now, I was fortunate enough that I had met a few people that I can consider friends at the mission. Mm-hmm. And due to the situation, they, were, they also happened to be expected to leave at around the same time. And there was a location, not quite an open field, but there was a location that we knew about nearby that we could maybe consider, you could call it camping there. Mm-hmm. And they knew how to build a shelter out of certain supplies. So we had a location we could block out the wind, we could block out some of the worst weather the rain and so on and so we stayed there we started staying there how effective was it at keeping out the cold it was actually for what it was it was pretty good i mean you could it it wasn't exactly like a pretty it it was more like a one-room shack it wasn't like we were building our own house Mm -hmm. but uh keep out most of the wind except for what was coming in through the cracks we had a blanket that we could use for something of a doorway. Mm-hmm. And uh, it would keep the rain off. We had tarps. Were you worried about the safety aspect? You're building fires, I'm sure, out there. And how, how tricky was that? Yeah, for the, for the fire, because of where we were, we had what would become a dirt floor and built a pit that we could put wood into that mm-hmm. was gathered from nearby mm-hmm. and we would start the fire and the fire would be effectively indoors with us. So we would have to worry about the smoke and in case it got too big. Yeah. Yeah. But the, now I'm not a camper guy by nature, my, but my friends were, so they were pretty good with knowing what to do, how to build the fire how to keep an eye on it so it wouldn't get too big and burn the shelter down. <laughs> but still, it sounds like a rough way to live a life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Monique, let me turn back to you. At some point, you did end up in the city shelter system. Were you able to settle in and adjust easily and begin to stabilize yourself, or how did that work for you? Um, no, I wasn't. I was uh, bounced around a lot. I was thrown out of some places for behaviors. Um, I wasn't violent, but I was, you know, traumatized and confused, and mm-hmm. I, I talked a lot. And um, so it took me a while until I got I got a saving voucher, um, and then I got a home, and you know, but then they boarded that one up, and I went to an abandoned house right around the corner. Yeah. And at some point you were actually panhandling out on the street. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What did you learn from that experience? How generous were Kansas Cityans to you when you were out there? There were more um, people that were very giving than there were that were not. But Hmm. there were times where I was invisible. I would just be asking, you know, for the time or um, just saying a smile. And uh, a lot of people just looked straight. Yeah, right. Well, you both now are in stable housing. Was there an organization that helped you get back on your feet? Yes, yeah. What was it? 
Um, Truman Medical Center. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are they are phenomenal. They have helped me in this journey in a way that I can't even begin to express how thankful I am. Yeah, Jeffrey, how about you? Yeah, I ended up getting help uh, through uh, a group called Save Inc. And uh, I ended up staying at a different shelter. And when I was there, I ended up with help reaching out to Save Inc. And they got me a voucher. And within about three months, I ended up with my own apartment. Oh, good for you. I'm just wondering, during this recent cold snap, when it got so brutally cold, what was going through your mind? Actually, I was tying it in with a job that I used to work at where I'd have to work outdoors, Mm -hmm. which I don't have to do anymore. I was thinking, oh, wow, I am so glad that I have a place to be, Yeah, that I don't have to worry about that anymore. Monique, how about you? I I feel the same, the exact same way. I have a a key to my own home. I have heat that works. I have blankets. I have a very comfortable bed, running water. Um, When you don't have those utilities and when you receive them again, it's just, uh, it's a miracle, you know? I bet you don't take those things for granted as much anymore, right? No, no. Small small things, uh, toilet paper, a toothbrush, paper towels, dog food. You know, that was a big part of my panhandling. Mm-hmm. I would have dogs with me. Yeah. Well, what a journey you've been on. And you've come out the other side, it sounds like. Good for you. Thank you very much. You must be feeling really good about that. I am, yes. Jeffrey, how about you? I am glad that I had the help that I received over the years, actually. Yeah. And I'm glad I met some of the friends that I did meet. I bet. I bet. Well, thank you both for coming in and sharing your stories with us. I think uh, a lot of people uh, benefited from it. Thanks so much. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. That's Monique Lichman. Again, she's an intern at Relentless Pursuit Outreach and Recovery, homeless for about four years. Jeffrey Dungan, uh, employee now with Restart. He experienced homelessness from roughly 2019 to last year. Again, thank you both very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Up to Date is a production of KCUR 89.3. The program is produced by Zach Wilson, Elizabeth Ruiz, Claudia Brancart, and Hallie Jackson. Paul Nakatura is our announcer and engineer. The theme music was composed by the great Bobby Watson. I'm Steve Kraske. Thanks for listening. <laughs>